Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. So good to see everybody today. To those of you that are watching online, we welcome you. We're glad to be a part of what God is doing in this day. How about that? Are you? Aren't you excited that God has called us for this day? You know, I believe, just like Esther, that uh, there's no timing out of place with God, and He knows who can do, when they can do it, and what they can do. So He says, okay, this is your time. Look at your neighbor and say, it's my time. See, when, when we really begin to, to think about that and begin to realize what God has put us here for, we can begin to see how we fit into the world around us. How many of you know the world needs hope? Three of us. How many of you need to know the world needs hope? They need to understand and know that there's, there's something better than where we are right now. And I'm not talking about heaven. Can I tell you right now, heaven's going to be an awesome place. But in Christ, hear me? In Christ, we're at a new place, at a place where we can begin to really understand that we are in a special place given a special task and and empowered to do that everywhere we go. Everywhere you go, there's somebody looking for something. Never been any place. College, I remember when I was in college, believe it or not, I can remember that far back. (laughs) Needs. I talked to young uh, men and women today, same needs. I don't think anything changes. I think maybe the pressure that we may be living under makes us think that it changed, but in reality, the things are still the same. The things I listen to people uh, today about, it's the same thing I heard when I was in college. It's the same thing I heard when I was in the military, but it all boils down to, I need help. I need hope. I need to be able to make it in this life. Now, we put pressure on people to, to do what the world thinks they ought to do, so that's what they do. But we come along as believers with an opportunity that we often forget is that we are here in this day and in this age to help meet those needs. I remember years and years ago, nobody can remember back this far, probably but me, getting my first cell phone. It was a flip phone. How many of you know what a flip phone is? Everybody old, yeah. Then I started traveling, and I, I came up in the world. I got one of those, um, what do they call them? Black, uh, yeah, Blackberry. <laughs> Had to learn how to use that thing. But the issues of communication have never changed. Just the methods of communication have changed. And so today I have a, well, my wife's got it. I have an iPhone which I hate. No, I don't hate it. It's just like, you know, there's always putting a new program in. They're always updating that thing. And then they say, you can watch this little video. I I quit watching those a long time ago. They don't do me any good. If I'm in trouble, I call Natalie. (laughs) How many of you know, how many of you know it's good to have somebody you can call? How many of you know if you're living in the world we live in today, we've got somebody we can call? Come on. Because we have trouble just like everybody else does. It may be at a different level. It may be different things that are going on, but we all have needs. 
And when we realize that, we're looking around for people that can help us to be successful in life, whether it's calling. I have a a friend uh, in Pearland that when I get in trouble with my computer, I just call him because he's just awesome on computers. But if I'm here and I want to know something about uh, computers, Natalie's my go-to. But here's the thing. Wherever I am, there's somebody that knows more than I know and can do things that I can't do. But here's the good news. In the kingdom of God, we're all on a level playing field. We're all gifted differently, but you can't look at one person and say they're better than I am or I'm better than they are because we're all on a level playing field. How many of you know the cross made everything level? We're living after the cross. We're living an experience now where the world needs help, it needs hope, it needs all of these kind of things. So do we. So where do we go for our hope other than the Heavenly Father? And when we go to Him for hope, He turns around then and not only gives us that hope and gives us that encouragement, but He empowers us then to turn around and go to somebody else, either in the body, friends, family, someplace we work. And he says, not only whatever I'm giving you, whatever I'm showing you, I want you to be able to love it and enjoy it, but I want you to understand that when I give it to you, there's somebody else that's going to be drawing that from you, just like they did me. Do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus, people drew from him all the time. Why? Because he had life. He walked as a man, but he had life, so people would draw from him. And if you're walking and I'm walking the way God wants us to walk, then people are going to draw from us. They need what we have. They may not know what we have. They may not understand what we have, but there's a drawing that comes. I'm going to show you some things in Scripture in just a little bit, but if we can get this in our minds, in our hearts, then we can understand what he's talking about in, in the passage today that we're going to be looking at in Matthew chapter, thir- uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. It's an important passage of Scripture. And when you see this, as you look at it and read this, you begin to understand that what God is doing, what God is saying is he saying, I have prepared you for something when I leave this place that will continue on as long as you live and as long as those after you live. What does he call us? He says, you are salt. When I, I, you know, a lot of people use verse 13 as a thing to beat people with. That's not what God intended it for. If you look at the context of what we're going to talk about today, It's in the context of the Beatitudes, where Jesus says, blessed are you, and he goes through all the Beatitudes. So he's talking about a blessing. He doesn't come around then and say, now I'm going to curse you. But he continues the blessing and says, you now will be a blessing. We read this passage of Scripture. Let me read it to you. In Matthew 5, 13, you are the salt of the whole human race. That's the one. (laughs) You are the salt among the people of the whole human race. But if you, like salt, become what? Bland. How many of you know we can become bland? We can just kind of... One thing about salt that I really, really love, I hate it when I'm not able to put salt on my food. I'm just saying that ahead of time for some people that are sitting here on the front row. When I can't put salt on my food, it's not food. Can I get an amen anywhere? You don't have to be from Texas to know that. 
if, if God is speaking here, you are like salt to the whole human race, but if salt loses its saltiness, there is no way to make it salty again. It has become worthless, so it's thrown out and people trample on it. See, that's, that's the part we always use to beat people up with. If you're not good enough, God's going to throw you away. How many of you ever felt like you were thrown away? That's not what he's saying. He's giving us an illustration of something that's very, very important. Not only do we partner with him, but he says with all that is within him, you're going to be like me in this world. Not just salt, but you're going to be light. But here's the thing about salt. There's so many things. We could spend, you know, how much time have I got? Uh, <laughs> that's the problem, you know. You don't get up here very often, so you just got so much you want to say. But let me tell you something. <laughs> salt, I, I went online and found this, this quote. I can't pronounce the company uh, that, that put this out, but here's a quote. We have emphasized that in its natural form, listen to me, in its natural form, without additives, salt doesn't lose its saltiness of flavor. Consumable salt is a mineral compound consisting of sodium and chloride. It is extremely stable and therefore cannot lose its savor or degrade over time, unlike spices. Latter part of that article. To sum up, salt cannot lose its flavor unless exposed to certain conditions or contains additives. I got thinking about that. You know, um, the salt we have is not pure salt. So it, it has a shelf life. I was, I was reading one of the articles that talked about the shelf life of salt. And I never thought about that, you know, because we use it before it's ever gone, before it ever run, <laughs> runs out. You go buy another bottle. But some of that stuff's been sitting on the shelf for years. But here's what God is trying to show us. He says, look, salt is so important when when." He comes into our heart and into our life. We are at that juncture, pure salt, blameless salt. You say, but I still have some old tendencies. But let me ask you a question. What is it that makes you different than you were before? What makes you salty? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm full of grace. Let me show you something. What is it that makes us different? Think about it. The Bible says, by, say it, grace, you're saved through faith. Now, so if by grace I'm saved through faith, something's happening called grace coming into my life and living. And when that grace comes inside of me, everywhere I go, I have grace to give. I have hope to give. I have a gospel message to give. And the enemy comes and says, here's what I want to do. I want to mix that with a little bit of salt. I mean, that salt with a little bit of difference. So you read throughout the scriptures where the church was battling the issue of theology that was not correct. Theology that was impure, if you will. How many of you know the devil knows the Bible? 
But his interpretation of it is so skewed, if you take that interpretation of Scripture, you're going to wind up with some additives. Now, God is not saying, I'm going to cast you out. What he's saying is, you lose the saltiness when that happens in our life. Here's the good news. I was thinking about grace. If I have grace inside of me, you know what God's going to do? He's going to say, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, would you work on Billy? Would you show him, convince him of sin and righteousness? Would you help him understand that he's my son and I love him so dearly? Would you help him understand that if he, if he sees what that is, he'll begin to realize that that's not pleasing to me? And would you help him understand that so that what the enemy's trying to take into his heart, he won't receive it? How many of you have ever had, felt like the enemy wanted to put something in your heart, but you said, no, I'm not receiving that junk? Well, see, when we're salt of the earth, we begin to walk in a whole new dimension. And he also calls us the light of the world. See, when I have an understanding of what that really means, it doesn't mean I'm perfect, and Jesus never intended them to be perfect. See, salt in the, in the Bible is a, is a beautiful thing. And here's why we have to understand what he's really talking about here. Salt was a part of every sacrifice. Now, remember, this is pre-cross. So he's talking to people, and even the disciples, he's teaching them what it's going to look like after the cross when they're out doing the thing. See, when he's teaching them, in their mind, they're thinking, sacrifice. Well, that's true. But they're thinking more than just sacrifice. Salt was the, used as a perpetual covenant. It wasn't just something that happened and you put salt on the meat. They would use it for sacrifices. Now, think, let me ask you a question. Does this mean God likes salt? Because what they do, they salt the sacrifice down, then they would offer it. There must be something that God's trying to tell us here. He must like salt. I mean, because, you know, when you rub that stuff down and you cook it, Where's the salt go? Into the meat. You are salty. You know why? Because you've been rubbed with it. Let me read you some scripture. Second Chronicles 13, 5. Come back here. Ought you not to know that the Lord God of Israel listen to this, gave the kingship over Israel forever to David and his sons by a covenant of salt. Oh, hmm. Mark chapter 9, verse 50 says this, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourself and be at peace with one another. See, what I'm trying to get you to walk out here is with, you're pretty salty. It's okay to be salty. Come on. Because if you're salty, you walk around and people look at you and they say, mm, something smells good. Mm -mm. You ever walk into a kitchen and that pot roast is cooking and you're just loving it to pieces and you get ready to eat it and it's all thick. Have you ever eaten a pot roast that didn't have any salt on it? If you know anybody that cooks, they're going to put some salt in that stuff. 
See, when they, there's a sweet aroma of the presence of God that goes with us. And we are in a covenant with him, a perpetual covenant. It's not only the covenant of salvation, it's a perpetual covenant of salt, where he and I, there's so many things that we could talk about throughout the scriptures about salt, but when you went into a neighbor's house or you went to eat with someone and you had salt, you entered into a covenant with them. See, we know, there's things in the Bible that we read that we don't really understand the significance. So when Jesus is talking, when he's teaching these people, he says, look, I'm already in covenant with you because you are salt. There's something new that's coming. There's something after the cross that's coming. But I just want you to know from time immemorial, me and God been on the same page because you are mine for this generation and you are in covenant with me in something that is so important that I call it salt and the word would call that grace. He says, you are so into grace with me and the world needs grace. It doesn't need judgment because you can look at the world and there's a lot of stupid stuff going on in the world. God doesn't judge stupidity. He judges heart. And see, when we're doing stupid things, how many of you have ever done anything stupid? Well, I put my, how many? <laughs> see, aren't you glad God doesn't judge you for stupid? Because stupid is something you can get out of. Because when he puts his spirit and his grace inside of our heart, we're still gonna do some stupid stuff. But I'm still in perpetual covenant with him all the days of my life. There's something about grace. If we understand it, here's what grace does. It gives us the ability. Now, think with me. It gives us the ability to say, God, I messed up. I don't want to be messed up. Would you take the additives out of me? Would you take the things that I brought into this relationship with me, that, that stuff that was a part of who I was, would you take that out of me so that I can be pure salt? How many of you want to be pure salt? See, because when we do that, what we're doing is we're growing in grace and knowledge of him. There's a report in the book of Acts. I like this, talking about grace. I'll read this real quickly to you. Uh, I, I think I've got it on the screen. Uh, Acts 11, verse 22 and verse... No, I don't. Acts 11, 22 and verse 23. The report of this, what was going on in Antioch, the report came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas down to Antioch. Look what it says. When he came and saw the grace of God. He was glad and reported. Uh, he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. You know what he saw? He saw salt and light. Think about this. You walk into a place and if grace is there, you can see it. You can experience it. You can be a part of it. How many of you in this room understand that you are filled with grace? 
You are in covenant with the Lord. You are salt of the earth and light of the world. That's who we are. It's who God made us. And when he made us that way, he turns around and teaches us, okay, I want to give you all these beatitudes. This is what you can see me doing. This is how you can see my life in Matthew chapter 5. This is how you can live this life that I want you to live. And as you're going out, you're going to take all of these graces with you. Everywhere you go, you're going to take these with you. Will you be perfect? Absolutely not. But I'm in process of making you perfect. That's what God tells us. Be, he wouldn't, I love him so much. He would never ask me to do something he can't help me become. You understand what I'm saying? That's who our God is. That's who Abba, Daddy God is. Well, when we look at this and we see it, there's so many things we could talk about about that. But I want to show you something. When we understand what it means to be salt and light in the earth. There's a passage of scripture in Acts chapter 3 and 4 that I want us to focus on for a few minutes. Here's what you got to see. I love the story. There's so many stories in the Bible that you could pull from to talk about salt and light. But this is one of my favorite. Because it, it, I, I preached a message before I even knew what I was preaching a long time ago. I said, the church on the way to church. Here were two people, Peter and John, on the way to the temple, and they get stopped along the way, Acts 3, 1 through 3 or 4. And it, the beautiful part of it is, it's, well, two things. First of all, the Holy Spirit knew that man was sitting at the gate. He'd been there other times. I'm convinced that Jesus passed by. Because Jesus would go to the temple. The Bible says this man was placed at the temple every day. Now, the possibility is he slept over that day and got there late when Jesus came. I don't know. But the issue is that no matter where you are, no matter what's going on, God has got an army ready to help. Salt of the earth. Tell your neighbor, I'm salt. Grace of God lives in me. The grace of God is a part of my life. We could spend so much time talking about grace. But here's what I want you to see. When they walk by the man, here's where the, here's where the salt and the light come in. He asked for money. They said, he, they said, you know, that familiar statement, we don't have any. But what we have, we give unto you. Now, here's the key. Understanding what they gave him. They didn't give him healing although he was healed. They add salt to his life. They add grace to his life. Does he get up and walk? Yes, he does. But there's no difference in God to raise somebody up or to save somebody's soul. Both the same. There may be days that you lay hands on people or you speak into their life and you see a transformation that takes place just like that. But here's the thing. No matter what we're doing, life is flowing. They're wherever we are. So that's why I love this story. I don't have anything to give you, but what I do, in the name of Jesus. We, we're not going to spend time on that, but that's where the power is understanding that statement. But here they come. The problem with 
doing that is this. You stand out sometimes and you don't want to stand out. Because if you start laying hands on people at the mall or at college or at work and they start getting healed, people are going to take notice. You know why? Because what they're experiencing is salt coming into an open wound, bringing healing. Salt coming into a tender heart, being rubbed and massaged by God, that is bringing healing. Truth that comes to them, maybe for the first time, that they say, I can live my life in success. How many of you love when you learn that you could be a successful believer? Because all of a sudden, something happened in your life, and you, you said, I can do this. That salt and that light from some place that came emanating from heaven came into your life. And when it did, you began to be different. Look with, this is on the screen. Look with me at Acts chapter 3. I want, you, I want to read it, and then we're going to move on. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now look at this. And he took him, he must be a right-handed guy. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. See, our part is to speak and extend ourselves. That's what you see here. They spoke and they extended their self. I'm not just talking about the hand. They spoke and extended their reputation. They spoke and, and extended all that they were. They said, "Here, just rise up and walk. I love this part. In verse 8, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Here. See, if we're living in a world that needs hope, if we're living in a world that needs caring, then we have got what it takes to bring them from paralysis, from sickness, from separation from God, we have what it takes to say, in the name of Jesus, would you rise up and walk? I've got to show you this before we close. Look in verse um, 4 with me. It's going to be on the screen. The council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John. Especially, listen to this, when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never had any religious training. Now listen, if you think you can't do it because you're not a Peter or not a Paul, then you need to take this scripture to heart. Because here the religious people, here's the problem that we have. A lot of times the religious people will make us think we can't do anything. Because we listen to them. Now, can't you just hear Peter now? Oh, oh, I'm not learned. Oh, no, 
I can't do that anymore because they're absolutely right. I've never been to seminary. I've, I've never even taken a Bible course. I don't read my Bible enough. I don't pray enough. They are absolutely right. They are so absolutely right on. I'm just ordinary. I'm just ordinary. You know, ordinary kills more dreams. The feeling that we are just ordinary. I've had my dreams killed because I thought I was ordinary. I'm tired of being ordinary. How about you? Look what it says. Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. They said, you guys, are, you guys are just ordinary, but there's something different about you. There's something different about you. I, I know you probably, hadn't, you probably didn't go to Bible school and learn all that theology about the end times, and you probably didn't learn all the Petrian theologies and the Pauline doctrines, and you probably didn't learn all that kind of stuff, and, and you'd probably be better off if you did, but, well, I don't know but I can tell there's something different about you. You've been with Jesus. And he rubbed off on you. How many of you know when he rubs off on us, then we're salt and light. Then the enemy fears us. I love it when he did this, when, when, when God spoke this. Look what in verse 14. Standing there with them was the healed man and there was nothing further they could say. I'm telling you, when we grab the idea that we are in perpetual covenant with our Father, perpetual, lifelong, everlasting covenant with Him, nothing's going to change that. My weaknesses, my deficiencies, that's not going to change it. Because He's always there helping me to become what he wants me to become. And in the doing of that, I become more salty. Not from his perspective, but from my perspective. Let me show you something. To be salty in God's eyes means I need to look at myself like he looks at me. And he says, Good day. Awesome. Love you. Things are working out pretty good. Well, let me, let me show you. Would you go over here and, and would you just hold it, hug this person? Would you just help this person back here? Would you? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I really like that because I can't do it, but you can because I'm in heaven, but you're there and you are salt. And you will bring taste, my taste into the world that we live in. How many of you like that? Yeah. Isn't that exciting? That's what Peter and John did. They just brought the taste. We go through so many different scriptures. Today, as we pray here in the altar, when the prayer team comes forward in just a minute, we're going to see, because I've already I talked with them earlier. I said, here's what I'd like for you to just enter that altar with the same feelings and a faith that Peter and John had. It's like, okay, he's, he's sitting. I, when he was teaching this passage of Scripture, when he was teaching this, you know who he taught it to? The 12 plus all the group 
that was following. So see, he taught us this morning. He says, when you get ready to speak today in my name, salt is going into a wound to bring healing. Love is going into a place to bring wholeness. Salvation can come when that person receives it. Because what I've put inside of you, you are going to give away. Let's stand together, would you? Ask the prayer team if you would come forward. Just get excited. We're excited. I'm I'm excited about what God's going to do today. I'm excited because, hey, listen, when when we're, all we do is partner with him. We just partner and we say, okay, God, I'm going to do what I can do because I'm in covenant with you. And when you come for prayer this morning, would you come the same way? Would you come understanding, first of all, as a believer, I'm in covenant with God. So what's going on in my life? I can walk with somebody and we can talk together and pray together. and I can believe God for a miracle. If you've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, today's the day. Because he is here just like he was a long time ago, before the cross, after the cross, in my life, in the life of many people around us. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, what he really is after today is your heart. Will he do things for other people? Yes, he will. You know why? Because he loves us. Will he heal? Yes, he will. But there's great rejoicing in heaven when a heart turns to him. If you're here today, I'm going to ask you something. I'm going to ask you just to be bold. Would you be like that lame man sitting at the gate here in church? First of all, two, first thing I want to ask you that you've you've never really you've never given you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus. You're there wanting help. You're willing, there wanting encouragement. You're wanting all that God can give for you, but you've never given your heart to Jesus. And like that lame man, you know your own condition. How many of you know that lame man knew exactly what his problem was? He just didn't know the answer. It's the way I was, and I gave my heart to Jesus. I I was just like him. I just didn't know the answer. So if you're here today, and you've never given your heart to Jesus, would you boldly just raise your hand? Anybody anywhere? Today's your day. I'm looking. Anybody anywhere? I don't see a hand. If I'm not seeing it, please let, let me know. All right, that's fine. I'm glad everybody here is a believer. I'm glad you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ. But if now you have a need and you want someone to pray with you, we're going to believe God with you for your miracle. Whatever your miracle is. How many of you need need something from God? Raise your hand. Oh. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty good prayer time. Well, those of you that don't need anything right now today from God, would you look and say, God, where can I dispense grace? Where can I dispense grace? John, all of you know John, our son-in-law. He's been on the road for a long time. Thank the Lord he's home for a few days. But you know, I asked him, I said, can I use you as an example? Because I know John, I know his heart. And everywhere John is, there's salt and light. In the hard times, in the good times, in the not so good times. But this is one, one thing I know about John Taylor. 
that wherever he is, he is true to his father. And his father can trust him. Wherever he is. See, he didn't have to be in church all the time. He might be listening by online or he might be flying somewhere in the air, but he's still salt and light everywhere he goes. Because, here's the deal, he's faithful to his father. So today, Jesus, as we're here, we're just excited about what you're going to do, lives that are going to be touched and changed, healings that are going to come, deliverances that are going to come, freedom that's going to come for the for the people that are here for us today that need that from you. We thank you that you called us and you said we are salt and light. But Lord, we thank you that in that calling, in that in that description of who we are, you said it's forever so that I can give it to someone else. So Lord, thank you that I have salt in me. Thank you that the grace of God lives in me, lives in all of us, but Lord, we still have needs. So today, if there's anyone here in need, God, bring them to the altar. So this team who's standing ready to pray, to believe with them as Peter and John were, they can have a miracle in Jesus' name. Would you come? Whatever God's put in your heart, whatever needs you have, there's someone here at the altar, just pick them out. Say who, you know, say, God, is there a particular one? But these are standing in the place of Peter and John today and just simply saying, what I have to give you is the name of Jesus. Let's worship.